we, we started looking at our, you know, we look at the, at our own custom portfolio, um, and then we we saw, okay, what what type of, you know, can we define what our, you know, can we define our ideal customer profile based on that, and based on our, uh, you know, their ability to to to, to pay and you know um, profitability and churn and so forth, and then we combine it with our external data and so, okay, so can we find more of these ideal customers in the market? And when we did that, you know, something magical happened because our conversion rates, they just searched, you know, from, you know, so we, we, we do, uh, you know, we, we, we do outbound activities where we call uh, businesses that we think need, need our product and, and our conversion rates searched from, from 3% to 15%, you know, for booking a demo in, in, in one quarter. And we realized that, you know, the opportunity with this data you know, when you look at this, this process is much bigger than just the credit risk management side of things. Um, so, so that's you know, our vision is to to find the mo, you know, the best way to unite, uh, you know, finance and sales because this they they're linked together through this process um, um, by helping them basically, you know, de-risking their sales funnels. So, Tim, welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so first off, uh, thanks for, for having me. I'm, uh, I'm Tim. I'm the CEO of Risica, uh, the cheerleader with the fancy title. Uh, I, um, yeah, I'm here to talk a little bit about credit scoring and uh, how uh, we see that uh, evolving uh, over the next, hopefully over the next couple of years. Um, so. You know what is it and why is it a problem? Exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, actually, based on a report we we found from uh, from Ernst and Young, um, we've estimated that uh, that B two B enterprises they lose more than seventy billion dollars every year on SMEs on uh, on, on losses, um, and um, and we know that in, in in the United States, for example, they have. Um, uh, the amount of outstanding invoices uh, at any given day is 3.1 trillion dollars. Uh, that's almost 15 percent of the of the of the GDP of the U.S. Um, so, um, um, and in Europe, uh, one out of four bankruptcies are directly related to bad payers. So, so these these B2B enterprises they face a very real problem. They're, they're losing a lot of money. The um, I think that's that that's probably the the starting point. That's 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 where we saw that. You know something had to be different because it's not like there is no um, other um, companies or you know uh, other players trying to solve this this problem. Uh, there is and they've been for a long time. But since there's still all these losses uh, in the world, um, we believe that there must be a different way to to do it. So that was the starting point for us. Okay. So for the audience that might might not be too much aware about this specific topic. Could you explain to us a little bit what is credit scoring? Yeah, of course. So, um, so say that you want to have a loan uh, as a private person. Uh, that's probably a, you know you want to get a house and you want to get get a mortgage. Um, there is a credit scoring involved in that process, uh, which is the the bank wants to know you know what is the risk of giving you this loan so you can you can get your house buy a house. Um, and that is basically that is you know you, you need a, you, you do a credit scoring the bank does a credit scoring on you as a private person um, and what we do uh, and help our customers with is to to provide them with a with a credit score on on businesses um, so 
in the same fashion, uh, banks they also do loans to to businesses. But actually, um, the space that we are focusing on right now is is just when when businesses do business with each other. Um, so I think a good example is is a, is a wine wholesaler. It's a it's a wine distributor that sells wines to restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, Normally, what happens is that they they send a box of wine and then they send an invoice and, and and tell the restaurant to pay in 30 or 60 days. The problem then arises if that restaurant either can't pay the bills because they don't have enough money, or they won't pay the bills maybe because it's it's a fraud uh, case or you know for some other reason they just don't want to pay the bills. Um, that's a credit risk because then you know as a, as a distributor of wine you simply don't get your money but you you have delivered your product and that happens all the time in different industry and between different businesses um, but it's basically the same as, as giving a loan worth the value of the product or the service that you deliver and um, and then we help uh, the wine distributor uh, assess the risk before they send the product so in some cases if there's a high risk of of it being fraud or the high risk that they can't pay their bills or maybe they you know there's a high probability that the, the restaurant will go bankrupt we've seen that you know in, in, in during the COVID period for example the the, the risk goes up um, they want to get their payment up front for the wine instead of you know taking the chance and that's what we help them with assessing the risk before they they just ship the product and and, and give credit to, to the restaurant. Great. So is this the real problem that you are helping the business owners with? Or are there any more problems that you're helping them out with? I think that's the that's the core of the problem. Um, but what we've what we found is that you know the way that the, the industry or the businesses have looked at this problem before. It's a little bit different from the reality that we see when we talk to the businesses. So, um, so let's take a, a step back here and, and look at this uh, this wine distributor again. So, um, you would say that you know who, whose responsibility is it that you take this this credit risk? Like, who's responsible for um, you know giving you know. 30 days or 60 days or 90 days of payment and if the restaurant doesn't pay because it goes bankrupt for example whose responsibility you know you would normally think that that risk is is, is, is on the on the CFO or on the uh, in, in a larger uh, operation or corporation it would be a, a, a head of risk or um, a chief risk officer even in a bank um, but actually you can't give credit on an invoice or on a loan you know can give a loan without selling your product first so what we've identified is that it's, it's one process and it links the finance department with the sales department. And that's really where we see the big problem is here. Is the problem is not so much, can we uh, give the businesses a better model? That doesn't really matter if the salespeople are not using it, if they're taking the decision when they're selling the product. So we see this more as an implementation product. And there you need, um, you need to focus more on having a great user experience. You need to focus on automation across departments, across different systems, and and that's really where we, uh, you know, and, and Risica are focusing our efforts. Um, it's also nice to have a good model, and but um, but putting together different data sources and using machine learning techniques, for example, you can come a long way. Um, but um, but you don't need you know like super fancy exotic data sources for example you can actually make pretty good predictions on, on what's available today but if you don't use the credit scoring in your company 
you know, it doesn't matter how good the model is. So, so yeah, again, we, we see the implementation problem as actually a bigger issue. So the true, the true difference is not the prediction of the data, but is the application of the data that you're working with. Yeah, I would say so. It, it depends a little bit on the, which type of uh, which type of customer, which type of business we're talking about. Because obviously, if you're a bank, your only product, or you have other products, but your main product is to give out loans. It, it is to give credit, and there's let, less um, like there's. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of it's the, the core of your business is your ability to to, to, to calculate this risk in the best way mm -hmm. and that's where you know even like very small like percentages or smaller you know, um, you know small um, improvements in prediction power it, it, it also means a lot of money but but if you if you talk about you know normal b2b businesses um, you can come a long way with you know building a model on top of the of the data you have today but then focus more on the implementation part because you know, you know, CFO buys the best model in the world, but if the salespeople are responsible for giving credit and they just give all the credit they want because they're focusing on the top line, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, um, uh, so I hope that that gives it. It's a, it's a little bit different from from business to business, um, but in general, we see a bigger problem with with the with the implementation. So. Where is the vision guiding you? So right now, short term, as you described, you see that this problem is quite scalable or, or it's quite um, suitable for this type of customers. How about in five years time? Where do you see that going? What direction would you like to take? So when we, when we started looking at this process in a whole, we saw that the opportunity was was, was surrounded about um, understanding how we could get the, the finance department to work closer to get together with the, with the, with the sales department. Um, we also, and we got access to, to, to both the public available data, but also started getting access to, to some of the, the company data. Um, we realized that there were uh, some different opportunities in the same space, so to speak. And, um, and so we're working on like, our vision is to not only help businesses with the credit risk management, but also help them with their sales enablement. Um, so taking our own case, for example, we, we, we started looking at our, you know, we look at the, as our own custom portfolio. Um, and then we we saw, okay, what what type of, you know, can we define what our, you know, can we define our ideal customer profile based on that and based on our, uh, you know, their ability to, 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 to pay and, you know, um, profitability and churn and so forth. And then we combine it with our external data and so, okay, so can we find more of these ideal customers in the market? And when we did that, you know, something magical happened because our conversion rates, they just searched, you know, from, you know, so we, we, we do uh, you know we, we, we do outbound activities where we call uh, businesses that we think need need our product and and our conversion rates surged from from three percent to fifteen percent you know for booking a demo in, in in one quarter and we realized that you know the opportunity with this data you know when you look at this this process is much bigger than just the credit risk management side of things um, so so that's you know our vision is to to find the mo you know the best way to unite uh, you know, finance and sales, because this they're, they're linked together through this process. Um, um, 
by helping them basically, you know, de-risking their sales funnel. So, so how can we, how can we make sure that they, when they invest in growth as well, when they invest in, in marketing uh, efforts, uh, they invest in, uh, in sales efforts, that you know they avoid all those bad payers up front, so they get high and they get higher conversions because they're better suited to their their segment. So, so that's how we see, you know, the the, the vision is, is is really to bridge those two businesses, uh, so th those two uh, departments. Um, in these B2B companies and, and, you know, get them to speak the same language uh, through, uh, yeah, you know, data and, and automation. Yeah. One question. Mm. Um, if you, so this is great benefits that you're describing that Rizika gives to clients, right? Mm. If clients were to describe Rizika from uh, your point of view, mm. uh, well, from their point of view, how would they describe it? We actually had an interesting exercise where we were trying to define our brand positioning, where we asked some of our clients uh, to give us just, you know, what, what was one word that defined Rizika. And, um, and interestingly enough, it was not something like we thought it would be something like, you know, precision or automation or something like that. It was actually flexibility. And, and we've used that quite a lot in our communication because we found that, you know, being flexible in the way that your, your product sort of, you know, uh, you know, binds the organization together. I'm a little bit back to the implementation part, but you know, having a product that is flexible in the way that it facilitates, you know, across department collaboration, I think it's very important. It's something that we found was very important for, for our customers, but also, you know, just being close to them. So we do a lot of co-creation. Um, mainly with, with also with, with our larger clients. Um, uh, where we, we 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 look at the the problems that they have together, and then we see if we can we can we can help them build the the right solution using our engine um, for that. Um, but yeah, flexibility was 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 the key word, um, and um, and I believe we have a pretty flexible organization as well. We can um, we can be we can we can be really close. Um, right. to our customers. Um. So this brings me to the next question. How did you manage to create trust with these new clients of probably leaving old models behind and trusting you with this new product in the market? That, that's, that's a great question. It wasn't, it wasn't easy, I would say, um, because it's, it's, it's definitely a trust product. You have to trust that we, you know, we can, we ex we extract the right, you know, the right data, and we 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 process it in a way so we get to the highest quality of data. But also, we can calculate it in a most precise way, and then we can deliver services that are always on. So there is a lot of trust involved in this product because you know, taking the fully automated um, scenario where you just you you link our product to your B two B web shop, and it just makes the decision automatically for you. You know who should you give credit and who shouldn't you. Um, in that case, you really need to you know to trust that that we that we um, that we build it right, um, and and I think a part of it was just you know trying to be you know to be humble in the situation where we when we were with the early customers, really trying to ask them the right question and really trying to show that we. We were trying to understand, you know, from that perspective, how how we could solve that in the best way. That was a way to create trust in the early days. Um, we also, you know, just from a branding perspective, we didn't go for you know all out on on the whole like startup 
you no know, branding, so we didn't want to brand us as a, mm -hmm. as a startup because that didn't really make sense in our like. But also, we just we we had you know customer meetings with where we could feel like they basically said, well, let's see if you're here, you know, in in two years or in three years because they didn't want to take take the chance. So. Um, it definitely, you know, and we've been at it for, for five years now, so it also it's, it's been a journey, um, really building that trust. Um, so there's some there's some different different parameters, and you know, also just you know, talking to the right, talking to the right customers. Um, so we were a little bit too broad in the beginning, trying to focus on many different industries and many different segments. Was um, that intentional to focus on a larger? I would product? say it was more of a. There was more of a mistake, I would say, um, or a learning you do as an entrepreneur. Um, that the more you can focus your your customer, you know, target segment in the beginning, the more you can focus your value proposition on just solving a very niche thing. Is the best way to to grow in the beginning, yeah. and and we had to learn that the hard way. So. So no, I, I can't say it was uh, intentional. So you're mentioning a lot of learnings that you had throughout these years. Mm. What were the biggest challenges that you faced and what did you learn from them? Well, what we're just talking about here was one of the big, one of the big challenges. Um, really nailing our ideal customer profile and really Understanding how you know how to how to communicate this this product in the right way to the right customers um, because it's not an easy it's not an easy problem to understand um, and you know it's 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 still hard to explain my mother you know what the credit score is so so it's it's yeah, we we we've definitely struggled with just how can we convey this 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 problem and and our solutions in a more simple straightforward way so one of the things but also just targeting the right customers and really focusing on a niche and um, and that's also the that's also part of the reason why we want to expand our you know our proposition to be more you know focused on the sales enablement part because we believe there's a lot of opportunities in helping businesses with also you know defining who are their you know the most profitable customers and helping them get more of those but always in compliance with the credit policy of course um, so so you can limit the downside and 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 get a you get more you know uh, more out of your your the money that you spend on growth um, there is a, that's a very interesting link there um, and, and sometimes I'm always I always explain it like it's, it's it's a bit like a stock, like it's for 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 a time it's very easy to get a high return, you know, if you if you do stock trading, um, but eventually if you don't focus on the risk side of things, you you will lose your money, like because you can just you know if you don't care about the risk, you can just invest everything in in Bitcoin and um, um, you know there's. There's so that's the risk side of things, and and this is this like this is basically the same that we do like because for some businesses it's not about minimizing their losses. It's actually uh, sometimes it's more about you know maybe loosen their credit policy a little bit and say okay you can actually grow more if you if you if you do it a little bit less conservatively um, or help them you know if you open up this sec you know this uh, industry or this market um, there is a great opportunity without taking too much of a risk so we want to help you know businesses understand those those dynamics and and um, and unfortunately we, we we just meet a lot of like mid-size uh, small to mid-size uh, you know b2b companies 
that are either very top-line driven or very bottom-line driven. They don't really see the whole picture of it's, it's about finding the right balance. Um, so, um, so is yeah. that also a challenge, not being able to explain the value to the possible clients? So that's a, that's a matter of, of talking to the right people, I would say. Um, so, uh, so for us, when we get to the right stakeholder, they, they understand you know, the issue and they understand the problem. It's, it's, um, and that's a part of, you know, so you find the right, you find the right target customer, you find the right you know, buyer persona who's actually buying your product, who understands this, this, this problem. Um, and, um, and then you focus your, focus your efforts on that. Um, uh, I must yeah. admit, I went on your website and I loved the way it was built because there's the section, I think, for customers mm. and it says, for you, if you are a CEO, a CFO, FF, a CFO, someone else, mm -hmm. and uh, according to which page you go to, there's different advantages explained to you, probably in the lingo that would make most sense to them. Yeah. That was, uh, I thought it was lovely, it was perfect. Well, I'm, I'm happy you said that. We, we just launched, uh, you know, on your website, uh, risica.com, and, uh, and it's definitely, it's definitely a focus area for us. How can we communicate this in the, mo in the most, you know, crystal way? And, and yeah, and we found that, you know, we're talking to different stakeholders. They see this differently, and and we need to to speak to them in, in a different uh, different language. Is there any particular value proposition that you realized that you didn't know that could have been that you could have created given the product that you were selling? I'm not sure. I'm I'm exactly answering your your question, but what we've what we found is that we thought that we should just, you know, that we were just doing, you know, credit scoring and credit risk management. And what we found was that this process is just touching a lot more parts of the organization. So I've mentioned the sales part, um, the sales organization, which is which is where we're focusing our efforts now. But there's also um, uh, there's also compliance, for example. So so the, the, some of that data we we collect and we process, it's used for compliance purposes as well. So for your KYC, we have customers that, that, that use uh, our data for that purpose. We also have pricing, for example. So another way to limit your your, your credit losses, that's, that's what the bank does as well. It gives you different interests based on you know, your risk. And uh, you know, that's a different way to, 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 to work with, uh, with this problem is that you just you know, give higher prices if there's a higher risk. Um, so you can um, you can see that this this process you know that becomes involvement of, of different uh, parts of the organization and it's been the hardest the, the hardest challenge you know you know the also uh, going back to your question before one of the hardest challenges has been just you know focusing our efforts on on what we believe creates the highest value now here and now because there's there's just too many opportunities you know mm -hmm. to, uh, to to solve and um, and how can we make sure that our overall value proposition you know fits together so we don't just build all these different small components that they don't fit together because then we will just end up in the same um, uh, with this with the same situation that there were before yeah. I think that's uh, the best way I can well, that's one way to answer that so is there something that you have started to build and then you dropped off because you realized that it was taking you towards this challenge. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. 
so take um, um, uh, take real estate uh, data for example um, uh, this is something that we can we can collect in, in in Denmark at least it's a little bit different in in, um, in the other Nordic countries and we also extract from other European countries like UK and, and Germany where it's, it's 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 more scattered but but the real estate data you can get in Denmark is actually quite good. Um, it's a, it's pretty difficult to build um, a good way of extracting it, but but let's disregard that. Um, but what we found was that it was it became a niche area that we had to spend a lot of time on developing that you know specific part of our value proposition, and it could only be used for very specific types of. Uh, uh, of, of companies so that that's one of the things where we actually we started building something and we have the data uh, available at a certain level but then we just said okay now we don't want to build any any more on top of this because someone else can do it better than us and we rather want to focus on on other other other, um, other areas so so we can provide the data in 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 high quality but we don't want to build any other solutions on top of that and we have we feel a little bit the same way with uh, with compliance we would like to you know help other businesses you know with the data so they don't have to you know extract it and structure it themselves we that's something that we, we've become quite good at um, but building a kyc solution for example it's not something that we would like to to enter into because it's uh, it would be uh, uh, will be defocusing our, our efforts um, and you can say the same thing about factoring and leasing and credit insurance it's it's the same engine but we just we want to be really good at you know extracting the data building the models and providing apis that can you know can help um, uh, you know other businesses in that areas and then but then with the credit risk management and the sales enablements where we really want to be good at the the front-end solution as well so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot about focus. Great, that was a great answer. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so let's shift focus. So, so far we've been talking about the context in which um, Rizika works in, the problems that it's solving, um, how it is solving it. But how did you come to realize that there was this problem existing in the first place? So it actually wasn't me. It was my. It was one of my co-founders. Um, he, uh, Nikolai, he was he was working for um, PwC as an auditor. So he was in very close contact with the CFOs um, in, in in these small, medium-sized businesses. Um, also some large, by the way. But 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 he was he was in, in close contact with these uh, these B2B businesses. And he, um, so as a you know. So during this, you know, this uh, auditing of their, you know, financial reports, um, he discussed this uh, this issue with them because he didn't really he didn't really see any CFOs that were particularly happy about the solutions within the, um, you know, within the space, and he could see from the from the reports that they were losing money. So he he started asking some questions, and um, and that was where the idea originated was because there was just very low satisfaction with the current solutions, and there were a lot of uh, manual processes involved with uh, giving credit, uh, but also monitoring, uh, you know, your credit risk in your portfolio and um, and, and so forth. So, uh, so then, and then we, you know, we met up. I have a career in, in, in banking, so I I knew a little bit about the the problem as well, or the space, and um, and we decided to 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 look deeper into into this. Um, so how did this entrepreneurial journey unfold for you? You met up at a bar, 
discuss this. Like, <laughs> let's do this. So, uh, so, so yeah, now it's uh, it goes a little bit further back actually. Um, so, one of my other co-founders, Torbjorn, he has he has um, he has a venture fund now called Move Capital. He he. Me and him, we, we go all the way back to, to high school. Um, and he's always been involved in, you know, he started businesses, he was investing in emerging technologies from an early age. And he was um, like, I really, you know, I had a lot of great talks about him, about, um, you know, why do you want to become an entrepreneur? And also a lot of other stuff like macroeconomics and so forth. And, and at some point during my, my master's degrees, where I actually had entrepreneurship as a, as a course or in, in, in the US, I realized that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. So based on my conversations with my, with my co-founder before he was my co-founder and this course and everything. So, but I didn't, I wasn't ready to do it. Um, so I was, um, so before I even started my, my full-time career in banking, I already knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. So it was, a, it was a matter of time, so to speak. But then after three and a half years where I didn't, uh, had the courage to, to take, uh, you know, the, the leap, uh, he came to me with, a, with another project that we started together. Um, the, that didn't work out, long story short, uh, we started Risica together with, with Nikolai and, and our fourth co-founder, Christopher. So it's a series of trying, failing, trying something new, seeing how it's going, learning. Yeah, well, that I think that's yeah that started uh, you know when I when I dropped out of of corporate so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's that's really where it started. Um, so we really like this whole lean startup uh, thinking. So like. Um, test, learn, evaluate, you know, build, and then, you know, as fast as possible, you can go through that cycle, uh, the better. Um, and um, and that was that was one of the found, you know, the, that was one of the foundational sort of pillars for, for us when we when we started the business that we wanted to, to do that iteration process. And I don't, I really don't think there is any other way to build a successful startup. You need, you need to have that mindset and you need to practice this. Otherwise, it's just gonna, um, you know, you're gonna run out of money or, you know. <laughs> um. So, was there ever a shock moment when you were transitioning between this non-entrepreneurial life and entrepreneurial life? Yeah, I remember particularly the first time where I had to do, you know, do sales. Or more, 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 more specifically, I had to do cold calling, and and I did it for, you know, I think for, for two weeks uh, together with the, with the sales coach, and I didn't book a single meeting because we were calling the wrong companies. I found out that found that found out I found out about that later. Um, so yeah, two weeks of, of cold calling, no meetings, and I just had to take three weeks break, and that's that's probably been that was the point where I. And the only point, luckily, where I thought, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, this is not gonna, it's not gonna happen. I'm not gonna, you know, I have to go back to, you know, my nine to five job, and you know, it was, it was really, really stressful. Um, but then, you know, we, we, we found a way out of that. Um, focused on some other uh, type of customers and did some more market research, and yeah, and here we are. Um, but I think that was the, that was a critical, critical point for me. That was uh, uh, brutal. Yeah. So, you. You quit your job 100% and you will focus 100% on these new projects with, uh, with your colleague and then co-founder. You didn't have a transition period in between to check, 
to, to test the environment around you if it's yeah, so, it would have worked, if not so a I, safety net, let's call it like that. Yeah, no, I had um, I had four months where I was working on where I was working on on the on this yeah, it was this other project and working in the bank at the same time. So I just I basically you know, I clocked in eight hours a day in the bank and then I went to work with eight hours on on that project and um, and that was that was it was it was a fun time. It was a lot of hours, um, but you know then after three months I decided to quit my job. And uh, after three and a half months, after I quit my job, we realized that it was not going to work because we, we've been through the cycle and we found out that we couldn't sell the original project. project. So we actually decided to close that down. And then I had this, um, you know, I was just standing there without a job and without, you know, an idea, uh, anything. But I had, had a good co-founder that I wanted to build something with. And, uh, and I basically, I just decided that I, I'll, I'll give it a year and see how far, um, see how far that will take me I just need to you know I need to have you know some sort of cash flow or some sort of funding uh, otherwise my you know the the um, the punishment is gonna be that I will have to go back to, to banking and I just I didn't really I, I, I knew I wanted to, to, to try to become an entrepreneur and um, and yeah luckily after a year we, we had both uh, both funding and, and, and the first customer so that was something to, to build on um, so, uh, so that was the... Great, yeah. that's a great story. Mm -hmm. uh, so this brings me, our audience, it's probably someone that is following a similar path than you. Um, they're probably already having um, some uh, fintech startups, they're building them, perhaps they're thinking of doing it, going for it. Uh, what did you call it before? Dropping out. <laughs> yeah. um, and we have covered many challenges that you faced throughout this journey of yours. Mm. If you were to give one piece of advice mm. to people that are about to live or perhaps are already in this environment of fintech um, entrepreneurship, what would the advice be? I'm, I'm sort of 50-50 in between two. I, I always have two types of advices I always give new, um, new entrepreneurs. Um, like the, the 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 biggest reason for why startups they fail is because of the team. So one of the things that I believe we did really well in the beginning was that we had we, we focused a lot on uh, getting very high level of, of uh, alignment and uh, and trust in the founding team. Um, and that's that is the I think the most important advice I can give to 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 early stage entrepreneurs is to, to focus on that. Because if you don't do that, there will come some very challenging situations. Um, no matter what type of startup, it, it will be, there will come some very challenging situations. And if you're not fully aligned and you don't know each other well enough and you haven't you know, understood each other's perspectives and weaknesses and strengths and so forth, it's uh, it's unfortunate that's a very high likelihood of failing uh, with your startup. So I think that's that's the most important um, uh, advice I can give. And what's the other fifty percent? Yeah. So the other one is, is is back to our earlier conversation. So you know, ship your product as fast as possible. Get the first paying customer. But then when you have that first paying customers, you know the. the, the the thing that, that we did was that we were focusing on customer number 10 and we should have focused on customer number two. So we should have found a customer or a potential customer that was 
exactly like the first one, like in, in all shapes and, and forms, we should be as close as possible to the first one. And then if you can, if you can find that, you know, you can find number two and number three and number four, then you can start focusing maybe on number 10. But it's really about, you know, who has the biggest problem that, that you could solve right now and then just only focus on that and forget about you know all the rest you can you can always expand and focus on getting that first then second and then the third because that will give you the yeah the leeway and that we didn't do that in the beginning and that was a big mistake that's great advice mm -hmm. thank you very much for coming thank you for having me this pearl of knowledge <laughs> thank you for having me it's been great thanks <laughs> <laughs>